You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about fancy book extras and interviewing author Alexandria Brown. But But first, what are you reading, Bria? (laughs) Who says but first? I think we switch off. Is that what it is? I think that's what it is. I think we just switch off between the two. I finished a book that you've already read. What book? Uh, called, I'm, so I'm very busy right now, and I found that something that has been easier for me to read is short stories, if I'm going to read something that's fiction. And uh, I finished, just finished Her Body and Other Parties <gasps> by Karen Maria <gasps> Machado. So good. It is really good. Um, it's really dark. Uh, dark short stories that that range from like... Um, like just like a dark sort of like retelling of urban legendy sort of things to somehow coming up with 10 different seasons of Bizarro episodes for uh, Law & Order. <laughs> Law & Order SVU. Yeah, uh, but Bizarro ones. It's it's a really, she has like a really bizarre take on everything. Give but me very that personal. weird shit. <coughs> Would you call it weird fiction? Yeah, I would call it weird fiction, weird dark fiction. Yeah. Um, it's definitely like, is that magical hotspot for me that's like literary fiction, but also horror, but mm-hmm. also surreal. Yeah. Yeah. I would say it leans more to surreal than horror, but it definitely encompasses all of those. What are you reading? So a few months ago, my best friend, Lauren Panapinto, got me into this whole idea of tarot cards for creativity. Uh, like not tarot cards like you're trying to tell your future or you're trying to like find out who you're going to marry or whatever but just like as a creative prompt like oh yeah uh-huh, uh-huh. and I got really into that and Alan got really into that um so I've been reading all these tarot books uh and the one that I'm reading right now is by like she's like a titan in the tarot world her name is Rachel Pollock and it's 78 degrees of wisdom oh. and it's just like a great really well-written overview of the writer tarot deck and like what each card means and like the history of the tarot deck and it's really it's really interesting for me because as an atheist and as li- our listeners well know someone who is not involved in religion at all I've always been very aesthetically interested in the occult because I'm a weird goth chick and that's my jam. But I don't believe in any deities or like I don't believe in like the more new agey spiritual side of it. So right. I was always like, oh, I can never do tarot cards and cool witchy shit because I don't believe in it. But then when Lauren got me introduced to how to how to be involved in it as a way that's like completely secular and like as a prompt, like every morning I draw a tarot card and I'm like, oh, this is the tarot card for leaving something behind that you need to leave behind. I'm like, okay, what in my life do I need to do that? And I'll write about it. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So it's use it for like journaling. Yeah, it's like journaling, but also <laughs> creative prompts. And like um, like every night before I go to bed, I draw another card um, and think, I write down all the things I'm anxious about during the day. Hmm. And um, then I draw a card and like think, all right, well, how can this, how can this idea help me find a solution to all the things I'm anxious about? Um, but if you're interested in any of that, I definitely recommend reading Rachel Pollock's books. So that's 78 Degrees of Wisdom by Rachel Pollock. And mine is Her Body and Other Parties, stories by Carmen Maria Machado. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Haley wrote in about audiobooks. I probably wouldn't have had an opinion on audiobooks about a year ago because I was a physical book person. I always found it hard to find time to read once I got out of high school and had to be an adult, so I always lamented my less than five books per year. I know numbers don't count, but I love reading and I always aimed for more. Everything changed with my discovery of two things, Overdrive and my Bluetooth earbuds. I found Overdrive first and loved having audiobooks easily accessible, but doing dishes and chores with a cord going to my pocket was annoying, so I got Bluetooth earbuds and seriously wear 
wear them every day. I have a short five-minute commute and still manage to get through a 10-hour audiobook before the 14-day overdrive loan time runs out, especially if I have a lot of cleaning or crafts I can do while listening. Nice. Uh, Darlene wrote in with a hot book tip. Hot book tip. Hot book tip. I think we need like a (laughs) (laughs) hat off the presses. Uh, When you get to the end of a Kindle book, flip past. I'm so sorry, everybody. I'm sick. And it's like, I feel like now it's like coming up. When you get to the end of a Kindle book, flip past all the acknowledgments and about the author. Once you hit the 100% mark, there's a page that will ask if you want to post that post that you read it on Goodreads. Cool. Wow. I don't know if I knew that. That's a hot book tip. It is a good book tip. I had no idea. I know. May, mine may not be connected to Goodreads, but that is a good book, t- book tip. Hot book tip. Yeah. Uh, Holland wrote in with a wheelhouse, which is World War II dark comedy. Specific. I want to know some book recommendations for that. Uh, mythology, fairy tales, and folktales, magical realism, dystopias, 19th and early 20th century adventures, ocean voyages for science, memoirs of interesting women, travelers, or British comedians, <laughs> optimistic Victor optimistic victorian era girls coming of age novels horse books nice hell yeah near future science fiction humorous genre fiction graphic novel memoirs by immigrants and non-fiction about creativity productivity leadership and feminism I just, okay memoirs of interesting women travelers or british comedians i actually feel like you have some sort of venn diagram there where someone's in the middle yes some female lady traveling British funny woman. I'm trying to think of all my favorite British funny women. I, know. I don't know. I don't. I, Catelyn Moran, I don't know if she travels or not. But they travel with their comedians. Yeah. But I guess it depends on whether or not it's like they talk about traveling. Anyway, there's definitely some Venn diagram there. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, sign up for our newsletter. A link in the show notes. A quick bookmark. I just want to thank all of our listeners for being being very patient with us. As you probably know, I have been on book tour for the past couple of months, and Bria is also shooting two movies. <laughs> so uh, we have been... And not we have not been answering emails as quickly. We've not been as responsive on social media. That's why. And we really appreciate all of your patience. We know, just know that we really are trying our best. Uh, also, quick bookmark from me. I want to thank all of our Southern California listeners for helping to get me on the Southern California bestseller list. Yay! I'm officially a bestselling author, and I want to thank you all so much for helping with that. Amazing. So before we talk about book extras, we're going to take a quick break. Welcome. Thank you. No problem. These are real podcast listeners, not actors. What do you look for in a podcast? Reliability is big for me. Power. I'd say comfort. What do you think of this? Oh. That's Jordan Jesse Go. Jordan Jesse Go? They came out of the floor? And down from the ceiling? That can't be safe. I'm upset. Can we go now? Soon. Jordan Jesse Go, a real podcast. This week, we're getting fancy. Sometimes books get a little extra. You can't see us right now, but Mallory and I both have on top hats and little monocles. We're putting on the Ritz. And we have like those, those. We have like Wait, uh, uh, coats, tails. coats with tails. Yeah. yeah, like those fancy tails. Yeah. And we're going to end this with a tap dance. So, And then I'm probably going to fall over something and die. Yeah. Uh, so we're talking about multimedia additions, deckled edges, ribbons, French flaps. Ooh. What is this stuff and will it get you to pick up a book? 
Bria, are there ever any extras on an e-reader that will get you to pick up a book? Have you ever read a multimedia book with sounds or video? Not really. Um, I don't know if I just don't access it or I'm not aware of it or I don't read books that have them. I will say I like a map. Like if there was a map for me to look at, I would definitely do that. Or a family tree, helpful in the books I read. I always need a family tree because uh-huh. um, usually there's some sort of lineage I'm supposed to be aware of. I get really of. stressed out about those. Well, I just like to refer back to them while I'm reading, but I don't... I think there's other people who access this stuff more and take a look at it and get deeper into it than I do. Uh, what about you? What What about you? You must have uh, uh, an opinion about this. <laughs> yeah, one. I I love a multimedia book, and I know a lot of publishers don't do them because they're a lot of extra time and work. But man, I think they're the coolest thing. Uh, like Marisha Passell's Night Film. Oh, so, I read that. Yeah there was a special app that went with the book and I didn't realize it until halfway through I was reading it and I had to like go back and look at a bunch of stuff. So whenever you see saw this bird symbol in the book, you scanned it with your phone with the app and it gave you extra media. Like during the courtroom scene, you could hear, hear actors acting wow. out the scene. During a song they mentioned, you could hear the song. It was so Wow, and cool. I read that as a physical book too. Yeah. yeah. It, that, remember that like little bird that was everywhere? No. Oh, well, if you scanned it with the app. Wow. Super cool. And you can still get it from Penguin Random House if you look up the night film app. Wow. Uh, but I will say, I didn't know it was there till halfway through, but knowing what I do now, if I saw a book in a bookstore that was like, this is a multimedia book, I would definitely pick it up. Wow. For sure. Yeah. I mean, print books get all the fancy extras, you know? One, deckled pages. Okay. That's when the pages have these rough edges to them. There's a lot of books that have this. And so fun fact that we got from Lauren Panabindo, former guest of the show, creative director of Orbit Books and my best friend. Deckled edges. And so when we're talking about deckled edges, they're the, you know, where it's like, it looks like you're written on like old papyrus. Like it's (laughs) like, it's like, like, it's like when the edges are all cut weird and like everything feels, it feels rough. Yes. But I, so Lauren told me those are free for the publisher. Really? You only see them on books that are like kind of fancy. They just tell the printer not to cut them off. So it's an untrimmed book. Oh, weird. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. Huh. Okay. So, Will extras get you to pick up a book? You yeah. said yes. Actually, yeah, sometimes. So I didn't know what it was called until I consulted Lauren for this episode, but I love books with French flaps. I love a French <laughs> flap, and I know that sounds really dirty. It does. It definitely sounds like a euphemism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's when, so you, you know when there's a paperback softcover book, but it has flaps like a hardcover book? A paperback softcover, but it has flaps. Like a heart, like it's all one piece. Like the cover for the softcover book has book flaps. Oh, Yeah. It's pretty rare. Yeah, it's fancy books. That's a French flap. And so for me, it's like if a book has French flaps, like a a softcover book, uh, it's like when a cocktail has those fancy maraschino cherries, the Luxardo cherries, not the cheap ones that are like really red and weird looking. I'll take you there. I love cherries. I mean, I love all of them, but when you have the the dark cherries, you're like, I don't know the difference. Oh, Oh, one is like the kind when you're at a bar and you see them and you're like, that's the ones that are like bright, bright red. Those are cheap. Yes. And that's the equivalent of a regular book flap. Yeah. <laughs> I'm having trouble with this metaphor. Yeah. I should have brought a book like that in to show should've you. Should have brought cherries, book flaps, also <laughs> deckled pages. <laughs> Mallory's multimedia presentation of cocktail <laughs> cherries and book flaps. That's actually like a perfect Venn diagram of all my interests. Um, I'm, so yeah, when I see a soft cover book that has French flaps, I'm like, damn, that book must be good. Like, yeah. like I want to pick it up because I just I also love the experience of reading it. Uh, my favorite kind of book to read is a trade paperback. So if it has book fl- it has French flaps, oh, so then it has like everything you need. Yeah, it's the best of all worlds. Oh yeah, it's it's not the mama bear bed. It's not the ba- the the no. Who had the just right bed? Goldilocks. No. Oh, no. incorrect. 
She liked that one. Baby bear. This is Mama's our second bears. problem with Goldilocks. <laughs> okay, wait. Oh, yeah. Mama Baby bears bear. was too soft. Daddy bears was too <laughs> hard baby bear is just right so it's the baby bear books yes i think his name is not daddy bear <laughs> but i don't want to i don't want to mix the words french flaps with baby bear i feel like we it's the baby bear french flap world <laughs> that we really want to be living in i do not want to live in that world um i also yeah i fucking love deckled edges it, it makes me feel like a character in a fantasy novel reading like an old magical book. Yeah, like you're going to open it up and it's going to like, it's going to be like Mallory. It like, oh, and like speaking or yeah, something. Yeah, and like, you know, fairy dust is going to come out of it. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I love the feel of it because page, the pages are nice and thick. Yeah. Stick those French flaps in there. I'm all about it. So, Bria, will you ever buy a special edition of a book, like a classic with like a illustrations or a ribbon bookmark? Yeah, actually, I do do this. So, um... <clears throat> Sorry, I'm sick. Um, I've been writing uh, this project that's related to Mary Shelley in various ways, a comic. Um, and I, because of that, I bought a few little special editions of Frankenstein. Um, I actually we- weirdly didn't own a hardcover copy, like a physical copy of Frankenstein before I started writing this. And so now I, but now I own a few little pretty copies. One is just very tiny. Which I think That's is the fancy part. It's so, just a tiny book. It's tiny. It's got like a really cool cover, but yeah, it's just small, which I. Well, it's like a little fairy version of Mary Shelley book, and I love it. I bought it uh, somewhere in Europe, but I, yeah, yeah. So I definitely, you can get me to buy of a classic book, especially, I feel like it's like you with the creature now, like you just own so much creature stuff. I'm kind of doing that with Mary Shelley a little bit because I'm just sort of like into Frankenstein and thinking about Frankenstein, and so I keep buying like Frankenstein crap. <laughs> crap. Just crap. Whatever Don't crap you want to send me. What about you? Do you buy special editions with illustrations or, or ribbons? Actually, not well, usually. I normally like my cheapo versions that have been very well This is the opposite well of loved. answers it seems like we should yeah. have. Yeah. I like... Because I have so many versions of books that I've had for so long, and I've read them multiple times, and the binding's all cracked, and I love them. It's like yeah. a pair of jeans that's been really well worn. Yeah. Uh, but it, it has to be a book that's, like, one of my favorites to buy a fancy version with, like, ribbons or a new cover or, like, a cloth cover. Um, I would buy a Shirley Jackson or a Ray Bradbury book if it was, like, a very fancy hardcover you know, or gold. small. What if it's small? Uh, yes. Very small. Gold pa- edged pages. <laughs> I would do that for like something wicked this way comes. Oh yeah. Nice. I like so, that. So I will, I'm more into fancy books that are like, I haven't read yet, like at a, on a table at a bookstore, but if I really love it, it has to be a book that is like one of my favorites to yeah. buy a fancy version of it. Thanks so much to the over 28,000 members who joined or upgraded during the 2019 Max Fund Drive and to all of our monthly members. To celebrate hitting our goal this year, we're putting the 2019 Max Fund Drive pins on sale for all $10 and up monthly members. As in past years, you'll be able to get some pins and support a great cause at the same time. The proceeds from this year's sale will support the National Court-Appointed Special Advocates Association. National CASA does amazing work for children and youth through a national network of 950 member programs. We are proud to be able to support them. The pin sale will run from April 29th until May 10th. And if you're a $10 and up monthly member, your personalized code is waiting in your inbox right now. For more details, you can head over to MaximumFun.org pins. And once again, thank, thank you. you.
So here we are with author, writer, and librarian, Alex Brown, the first repeat guest of Reading Glasses. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm very excited. I didn't realize I was the first repeat. That's very cool. Yes, we had to bring you back because you wrote this amazing book. But what, first off, what are you reading right now? Well, um, I'm actually in the middle of researching and writing a second book. So my, Yay! Uh, yes, I'm very excited about it. Um, so because of that, my fiction reading has dropped pretty precipitously. Um, I hear you. I'm also uh, I'm starting a new column for tour where I'm reading a lot of short fiction and reviewing it. So I've been sort of inundated with short fiction. That being That's said, awesome. Yeah, that being said, I just finished... Uh, or excuse me, I just started Justina Ireland's Scream site, uh, which Ooh. is really good. Um, Amy Rose Capetta's Lost Coast. It's queer witches in Northern California, right up my alley. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, Nafisa Assad's uh, The Candle in the Flame, which I literally am on like page one, so I, ha I cannot say anything about it, but I'm enjoying the first page. Awesome. <laughs> oh, so many good books. Oh, I got one more. Michelle Ruiz. Uh, I'm not sure how you say her last name. Michelle Ruiz Keel or Kyle? Um, all of us with wings. It cool. just got and is very good. That is a great group. So speaking of great books, can you tell us about your new book, The Hidden History of Napa Valley? Yeah, so um, but that's kind of a rambly story, but I'll try to be as concise as possible. It's basically, or it's mostly about people of color in Napa. There's some other, you know, different angles like Sawyer Tannery or Napa Soda Springs, which were prominent um, businesses in Napa that dwindled and died for various reasons. But it's mostly about people of color, um, African-Americans, Chinese, uh, Mexicans, and Berceros, um, and the indigenous people that lived in Napa, and the, um, the Californios that lived here when it was Spain slash Mexico. And it's, the, it's a history book, of course, but um, my intention is really to shift the narrative about Napa history. Everybody thinks Napa and they think wine and they think rich old white guys who make wine. And <laughs> very small portion of, uh, of what Napa history is. And frankly, we wouldn't exist as a county um, without any of those um, racial groups that just don't get talked about. So as you point out in the book, this is history we don't normally get to see. And like from a point of view, we don't normally get to read about. What was the research process like? I mean, you're really blazing a trail in historical writing. Yeah, this was, I mean, probably much like you. I spent a ridiculous <laughs> digging through old newspapers and things like that because the, the books that were written about Napa history just don't include the information that I need. It's, you know, again, it's a lot of old white dudes who don't live in Napa who are, you know, writing about wineries. And if they talked about the Chinese, it was, you know, they were here and then they left, you know, and it's like, well, no. <laughs> so wow. I, I mostly had to go into the old newspapers. Um, a lot of the local papers are digitized to the public library. So I just spent, well, the whole book process was about 18 months and I spent probably 12 of that researching. And most of that was in the newspapers. It was a lot of as primary as I could get. And for African Americans, we had two black news or yeah, we had two black newspapers operating out of San Francisco. And those editors and reporters would come up to Napa in the eighteen sixties and talk about life and um it was harder with the Chinese and with indigenous people, but I, I tried to get their voices as often as possible. So it, it was long and arduous, but it actually ended up being a lot easier than I thought it would be. 
Oh, I definitely think that research shows in the book. It is fantastic. And yeah. uh, so are there any other parts of the country you would like to write about in this way? Um, you know, I probably I probably could, but my I, I spent so much of my life in Napa. I grew up there. Um, I know so much about it at this point. I feel and I feel like there's a lot of stories that are left to be told there. Um there's so much more history to uncover. I, rather than me going off and writing about other people's places, I would rather other people start writing about their places. I mean, Napa's not the only county that's got all this rich hidden history about people of color and, and businesses and things like that that have yet to be told. I mean, you could do that with pretty much anything. So I would mostly just, rather than me going off and writing about other people, I would love to see them, uh, other people, even historians or not, go off and, and dig up your local history. Do you read a lot of history? Probably not as much as people would think I do. <laughs> Masters and I do love history. Um, but outside of research projects, um, I don't often read a lot of history. I don't often have a lot of free time to do fun reading. As, as you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, busy schedules and things like that. But um, I do love, um, I do love reading history. I just don't get to read it as much. So this whole episode is about book extras. Are there any book extras in print books or ebooks that will get you to pick up a book? Definitely not in ebooks. I do not do well with reading on screens. I'm a print book person as much as possible. Um, but print books, I, I do enjoy hardcovers. I get a lot of, um, of advanced review copies. And so, you know, they're cheaply processed and they're all paperbacks. So I'll often go off and, and when a new book comes out that I really liked reviewing, um, I'll buy it in hardback, especially if it's got you know shiny edges and um, or even the shiny metallic covers. I do enjoy those. They're so Oh, hell yeah. Those are beautiful. So speaking of picking up books, what is your reader wheelhouse? Are there, what, are there, what subjects or tropes will always get you to pick up a book? My preference is own voices in fantasy or own voices in YA. Pretty much anything in those two, I will be guaranteed to at least be interested in it. Um, especially if it's own voices and YA fantasy, and those own voices are queer people of color. I am. I, I don't even. I don't even need to hear the title. I just need to hear those things, and I will immediately buy it. Um, I'm always open to find awesome. something new. Uh, let's see. What was I just reading? I just read a book of poetry by an indigenous poet called Nature Poems, which was really interesting, especially considering I don't generally like poetry. Um, but that was fun, so. That's awesome. So where can we find, where can we buy The Hidden History of Napa Valley and where can we find you online? Hidden History of Napa Valley should be at most major re retailers, um, indie bookstores, you might have to ask them to, to order it, but it should be just, it should be available everywhere. Um, I am, I run my own website, bookjockeyalex.com. I, that is also my, um, Instagram handle, but I am almost always, I pretty much live on Twitter and you can find me at queen of rats. Yeah. If you want to, if listeners want to see very cute pictures of rats, you should go to Alex's Instagram. It's like 90% pictures of Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> it is very good quality Instagram content. Alex, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me again. This was a lot of fun.
Now it's time to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Anna writes in, I almost exclusively read physical books, rarely do audiobooks, and almost never do ebooks. I have a learning disability that makes it difficult for me to read off of screens. I also have some texture issues and thus cannot stand reading books with deckled edges. The one time I had to for class, I literally cut off the edges to smooth them out, but would never do that otherwise. What would you both recommend I do when I want to read a book, for instance, the library book, uh, but it, that's only printed with deckled edges. Is the library book, it had deckled edges? I read yeah. an ebook version of it. Yes, it does. Oh, what do you think? So I consulted again. I consulted with a few people. I consulted with our friend Brazos Price, who is a librarian. And I consulted with Lauren Panapinto, who is the creative director of Orbit Books. So if it's a hardcover, you can wait for the paperback to come out. If So wait for the library book paperback. Lauren said that the if the hardcover is deckled, it's less likely that the paperback will be deckled. Most deckled hardcovers have normal trade paperbacks. Oh, interesting. Good yeah. to know. Yes. And if it's a deckled trade paperback, maybe it's time to try an audiobook. So, and if, you know, you're... You've never done audiobooks before. You're having a hard time getting into them. So you're not spending money. Try getting a library card and a Libby account. Yeah. Or you can do, I mean, they do have like one free month on all these various audiobook things. Like you just try it out to see if you like it because maybe that would solve a lot of these problems for like these specific books, especially like if there's, I mean, there aren't that many deckled books, you know, in the scheme of books, I feel like. Yeah. Am I crazy? Well, I mean, the, some books that come out like paperback original and they'll have the French flaps and they'll have, and Lauren told me that a lot of books have the French flaps to protect the deckled edges. Oh, interesting. So. But I guess my question is like, of of books, like, okay, so if you subscribe to Audible or something, you get one book for free each month, that would probably cover your deckled edges books. Yeah. You know, like, because there's not that many. It's like one out of 30, 40, if that. I feel yeah. like there's, I don't see it that often. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a specific choice. Yes, it is definitely a choice. And what's funny is it actually, Lauren told me it actually costs more money for a publisher to print them without deckled edges. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah. I wonder why the library book chose to do that. I, we should ask her because um, I'm curious. But yeah, I think that this is a great idea. I think definitely thinking about audiobooks and trying to find a way where, you know, just because you just have to replace those one books, right? It's physical yeah. books. Um, although she does say she rarely does audiobooks. We don't know but, why she rarely does audiobooks. Yeah, but I feel like leaning into that is is a smart idea for sure. So if you want us to solve your reader problem, send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy who run our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember, if you want to show off your love of reading and support the show, you can buy Reading Glasses tote bags, shirts, and bookmarks in the Maximum Fun store. There's a link in the show notes. And if you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's really great for us and helps us reach more readers. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at Reading G Podcast, on Instagram at Reading Glasses Podcast, and you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag Reading Glasses Podcast. Thanks for listening, and, and thanks, thanks for, for reading. reading. The infant opened his eyes and stared. We can put the food here, said Silas. It's cool, and the food will keep longer. He reached into the box, pulled out a banana. "'And what would that be when it was at home?' asked Mrs. Owens, eyeing the yellow and brown object suspiciously. "'It's a banana. A fruit from the tropics. I believe you peel off the outer covering,' said Silas. "'Like so.' The child, nobody, wriggled in Mrs. Owens' arms, and she let it down to the flagstones. It toddled rapidly to Silas, grasped his trouser leg, and held on. Silas passed it the banana. Mrs. Owens watched the boy eat. Ba-na-na, she said, dubiously. 
Never heard of them. Never. What's it taste like? I have absolutely no idea, said Silas, who consumed only one food, and it was not bananas. You could make up a bed in here for the boy, you know. I'll do no such thing, with Owens and me having a lovely little tomb over by the daffodil patch. Plenty of room in there for a little one. Anyway, she added, concerned that Silas might think she was rejecting his hospitality. I wouldn't want the lad disturbing you. He wouldn't. The boy was done with his banana. What he had not eaten was now smeared over himself. He beamed, messy, and apple-cheeked. Narna, he said, happily. What a clever little thing he is, said Mrs. Owens. And such a mess he's made. Why, attend, you little wriggler. And she picked the lumps of banana from his clothes and his hair. Excerpt from The Graveyard Book by Neil Gaiman. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.